2: Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Halden
3: And Benjamin Halden.
2: Today, we are joined by Zach George. He is a UK CrossFit star. He won the title of the UK's Fittest Man in 2020 and is now an official BBC Gladiator.
3: In this week's episode, we discuss how to literally become the fittest man in the UK. We talk about how we balance the desire for more success versus feeling enough. And we talk about Zach's top three tips of how to maintain muscle mass whilst also building an engine. Again, we are back at the fabulous My Protein Kitchen for this week's episode. Enjoy. Continue the us and leave feedback on the podcast.
2: Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple Podcast you with your hosts. Now. Oh, do I not fuck? No. Rio, your
3: balls up, no, you up right ready. We'll just roll. We'll roll.
2: <laughs> Carry we'll roll. on, Zach. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. I got confused. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Good start.
3: Fittest man in the UK, Yeah, 2020 was it? It was, yeah, 2020. What what does it require to be that level calibre of fit?
0: Training twice a day, three to four hours every day, six days a week. I did that for seven years. (sighs) It was a very long time of hard graft to be able to achieve that goal. My main goal was to get to the CrossFit Games, but you had to be the UK's fittest to get to the CrossFit Games. How does that get decided? So are you aware of how the Open works in CrossFit? Yes. No. No. So Actually. it's a, a five week process. You'll do one workout a week, every week for five weeks. If you come first in the UK on week one, you'll get one point. If you came 10,000, you'll get 10,000 points. And it's the person at the end of the five weeks with the least amount of points gets crowned the UK's fittest man. So it's a very, very stressful five week period of trying to stay fit, not getting ill, repeating the same workout three or four times, once I did workout three times in one day. Really? Just, just to get the best score, yeah.
2: Are you allowed to do that? Can you just yeah. do it so as many?
0: The workout gets released Thursday and you have till Monday to, to do the workout. So ideally oh, wow. you want to hit the workout once, be really happy with your score and then crack on retraining. But obviously it doesn't always work that way. So I remember filming a workout that was a 20 minute slog and then the phone wasn't recorded. <gasps> and you're like,
1: as you, you have are to you film kidding it.
0: Me? Yeah, you've got to film it, yeah. So, if you want to be crowned the UK's fittest, obviously CrossFit I have to check all of your videos. So, you have people going through making sure all your standards are good, you're doing all the reps. And I finished the 20 minutes and they're like, yeah, it's, um, it's not recorded. I have
3: a hissy fit of like the camera's off when I'm spoon feeding peanut butter and it hasn't recorded for YouTube. But do so. you, know, you know when it's
0: so bad you can't react? I was just like, okay. And then just walked off. because it's like <laughs> yeah, it's beyond yeah. the point because of you can't. getting angry. Um, and then, yeah, so I think three times in one day I did one of the workouts, which was, was brutal, ended up doing like thousands of double unders in one day just to get the best score. But literally two reps can make a huge difference in, in an open leaderboard when you've got 15, 20,000 people that you're going against. And they ended up winning the open by one point (gasps) against Elliot Simmons. So it was, it was very, very close. But, um, yeah, it's a really stressful time Mm -hmm. of checking the leaderboard. You don't, I'm always, worse fitness-wise at the end of the five weeks than I am at the start of the five weeks because I peak for that period. You drain the battery. And then all I'm doing is doing three or four workouts pretty much a week. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the week, you don't want to train too hard. You don't want to do too much volume because you want to be rested for the next next so, workout. So what,
3: uh, what does a normal day look like for you during that, that period then?
0: So uh, nine hours of sleep, that's like guaranteed because it's so important for recovery. Yeah. Wake up, I'll attempt the first workout at 10.30. If it goes well, I'm happy with it and then i'll always repeat it on the monday no no i'll have um porridge bacon and a bagel about nine o'clock get to the gym for half ten huge warm-up we'll set three cameras up um do the workout hopefully it goes well and that's on a friday if it does go well i'll repeat again on monday just trying to get even better score if it didn't go well i'll do it again on saturday um, and then again potentially sunday and monday again if i needed to Oh my god! So yeah, you do get obsessed with getting the best score on that uh, on that workout, and then if I do well, but then I hear someone else got a better score, I'll go do it again. Yeah. So it's a, it's a really like mentally draining, challenging five weeks. So did you did you have anyone in your gym as well who was competitive for that space or not? No, which is which is always hard because you've got. I know some UK guys that will share their scores, and if anyone asks me, I'll, I'll probably share my score because I'm just really laid back and chilled. But you have like a lot of sort of uh, leaderboard gameplay, so People put slow scores in at the start. So you see like, oh, this guy's done this time. So that's Mm -hmm. not very good. So then you're not too keen to push again. Then like literally minutes before the deadline, people's scores will come in again. So game of chess. Did you ever do that? No, no. I'm just really chilled. Probably too chilled. Um, But then as it got further and further down the weeks and I was like getting closer and closer, I need to actually be a bit smart about this and not just tell people my score. Yeah,
3: I if that was me, I would have been done a mega shit score, but that wasn't me be pretending that just be me max. That out. would just be yeah. a
2: mega yeah, shit score. Me. Yeah,
0: just shit, general, yeah. yeah. Not, not, not it.
2: a CrossFitter, are you? <laughs>
0: but it's, uh, yeah, it's very mentally challenging. Because if you're ill for one weekend, then your whole season can be just destroyed. Because that's the time to get to the games. Um, With
2: that amount of training, see, so obviously the run up to it in general, training four or five hours a day, and then obviously the five weeks, I know everybody looks at sacrifice in a different way, but do you feel during that period specifically, you had to sacrifice a lot of things? Or do you think, because sacrifice is different obviously for
0: everyone. Because I think I've never had a coach in my whole CrossFit career. So that's quite unusual for a CrossFit athlete, especially someone who's qualified for the games. Why, why is that? Um, I think I'm just too laid back for my own good. And I just <laughs> train hard and just crack on <laughs> to like, yeah. and a lot of people are like, you're mental, like what are you doing? But it's, it's worked. And I've got a guy called Ben who comes to me with every competition. He's like my stats guy, so he'll know. He's a CrossFit nerd. And That's me, by the way. <laughs>
2: yeah. I thought you were. Yeah, I just,
0: yeah, I just, yeah I've been I keeping it. That was like, you. Like, yeah, been advising. Yeah. He'll know going into workout. He'll make sure I'm at my warm up for the right time. <laughs> um, he'll make sure I know what everyone else's splits for the previous heats are. And he's just a great person to have in my corner. Um, so I don't really, I don't really sacrifice a lot because. I just go into the gym, train, and then I basically do my usual weekend of going out with the family and going for a walk and stuff. So I don't really change much for those five weeks than I would do in every sort of day-to-day life. Mm. Um, but again, some people look at it and think, you could be even better if you just like just train and that's all you focused on, but that's just not who I am. Mm. And I think that's why I've been so popular over the years because I am so laid back at competition. I'll make sure I always speak to everyone. and. Just before going out into the competition, I'm waving and chatting to people, and I'm just really chilled and laid mm. back. And in the warmer area, I'm always like trying to look to chat to someone, and then people are just, like very serious. <laughs> and, oh, you don't want to chat? Okay, and I'll go off and try yeah. to chat to someone else. And Ben's like, make sure you warm up. Like, do you warm up properly? Um, but I, I wouldn't change how I've approached my whole career because I think that's what made, like I said, mm-hmm. made me very popular.
2: Absolutely.
3: But
0: yeah, it's it's interesting that because.
3: There's people in different sports who are like that as well. So for yeah. example, another guest who we've had on, uh, Harry akins he's very similar in his approach, very casual, very yeah. laid back. So, fellow Harry. glad, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fellow I was glad. gonna say, we'll you Harry we'll really well. That, yeah. is. And before races, he always used to have the same thing. I, th- I thought it was a Big Mac or you'd have a just a like box McDonald's. And the reason why is because he said, yeah, but he went to some events yeah. where, for example, the Russians or the Germans and they're tying up and they, ne- they needed. 150 grams of chicken and yeah, 200 yeah. grams of rice and he knew wherever he'd go in the world it's gonna be a mcdonald's yeah so he was chill about his his, his build up on his wall because he wasn't super anal so he could be flexible yeah. with, the, with his i suppose like usain bolt ex- exactly the same He's one really of my like
0: sporting idols because of that reason because he can literally be seconds away or minutes away from running the biggest race of his life and he's speaking to you know someone in the crowd yeah and i just love that about him Um, And I remember I was at Strength and Depth a couple of years ago, and that's when I'd won the Open. So I was doing competition just for pure fun. What year was that? Uh, That was 2020. And um, I remember it took me ages to get from one area to the rest, because people wanted pictures and all sorts. And I never ever want to turn down a picture or a chance to chat to someone if they've spent hours waiting for me. And then if I can't even spend a couple of minutes or five minutes chatting to them. So I remember doing that chat and I could see Ben like in the corner of my mind getting really annoyed because I was getting late for my warm-up. <laughs> but I'd rather spend time with people who want to spend time with me and waited than and miss like 10-15 minutes of my warm-up. And I could see him as like, we literally got to go. You've literally got 15 minutes before your warm-up. I'm like, Ben, chill out. I need a couple minutes. It's fine. And I'll carry on chatting and taking pictures and stuff. Um but that ch- chills you out a little bit though as well? Uh, I, I never really get nervous for competitions. Um, again, I think it's just my laid-back nature. But... I remember when I started do think, CrossFit. Do you think
3: your laid-back nature or you also being over-prepared?
0: What, I'm being confident in my ability? Um, it could be that, like once, a, when you know you've put in so much work and you know you've not got many holes and you've seen the workouts, you know you're confident in all the workouts, maybe that is the case as well. And obviously for that competition, I already qualified for the games. So everything else was just having fun and, and having a like good laugh. Mm. Um, but I remember going back to 2008, um, Regionals, I don't know if you remember when Regionals was around in CrossFit, so basically the best 40 in Europe went to a competition called Regionals, and then you had to be top five in the Games to, to get to the CrossFit Games. And this was 2018, it was the biggest competition I've ever qualified for. I was extremely nervous because it was the first time... How old were you then, sorry? 2018, I'm 33 now, so I'm the quickest, but what would that make me? Jeez. Maths Maths. Yeah, a whiz mate Kyle's really Cal good Cal at maths So I was 27 So this was the first sort of time in my career Where I've been like I deserve to be like a top level athlete And I could get to the games Um. And I remember All the athletes were repeating the workout several times When they released them And literally I practiced none of them Because my goal was achieved that year Like getting mm. to the regionals, was, that was it I couldn't really care if I came 5th And got to the games or if I came 25th I was literally there to have a laugh and just enjoy my time Mm -hmm. there. Got to Berlin, the day before I was doing sightseeing, walking for like eight miles, just traveling (laughs) around Berlin. And all my friends were like, why are you walking so far? I was like, oh, I'd never seen Berlin before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely loved it, eating like pizzas and cocoa pots for breakfast. And then at that competition, that's when my sort of stature and cross really blowed up. Um, I did the floss after every single workout and that just literally shot me into like CrossFit fame. And... What's the floss? You know what the floss is?
1: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
3: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell
1: people the big news?
2: I generally, yeah. when I say I, I don't know a lot about CrossFit. It's not a CrossFit, oh, it's not a CrossFit thing, no, I it's just... No,
0: it's like, I don't know where it started. Oh, this thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know
2: what that is. Yeah, I thought yeah. you meant it's some sort of like no, warmed. No. Okay, we're back. Yeah, we're back. Yeah.
0: so after every workout, Welcome back, Thank you. I just used to floss at the end of it and like CrossFit media went crazy for it. Then other people <laughs> in different regions were dancing at, at the end of each um, workout because they saw how popular I was getting. Mm. And I think that really brought out my personality. And I think I came like 27th, but had an absolute blast the whole weekend. Um, I guess it's like the contrast, isn't it? It's like Cheeseburg
3: Ready, when he's yeah. doing the, the dances big like doing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. doing these little
0: good uh, yeah. dances. So I don't think it's even like, I had no place to, to get to the games at that level, but I wasn't really serious and working my hardest to achieve that goal. I was just happy to be there and just enjoying it. So I don't think, no matter what the competition, I'm always having that laid back sort of mentality and and that's just how I deal with, with competing, I think. Um, but yeah, definitely, it's definitely made me popular.
3: I, think, I remember the first time I saw you compete. I don't know what event it was at. It was when I, I used to own the brand Totem.
1: Mm. And oh yeah, I think That's we had. Blast from the past. I think yeah. we
3: had Simon and oh, I, mean, I forget his name. And I'm very Simon. Sorry. Which Simon? Simon. He had like a big beard and like slick back hair. And there was another guy called Mike Palmer who was also on the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were competing in the same competition.
0: Yeah. OG oh, is Mike Palmer. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember seeing you, I was like, wow. That's Simon Greenwood. Simon Greenwood, That's handsome him. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, no, know, I, was I wasn't I haven't thought about for like, that. Years, you yeah. know? I don't
3: know what event it was at, but um, yeah, I remember seeing you there. I was like, wow, I've never seen anyone so big yeah. do CrossFit. And it was um, it was like almost defying the laws of what was achievable for the human body to do at that size. And you, you get other people who do it, for example, Ash Kane with some of the adventures that he goes on yeah Ross I do some of the swims that he does how do you strike the balance between size and then also performing and building a robot base
0: yeah so when I got into CrossFit I remember one person telling me that they said you're too big to be any good at CrossFit and that literally stuck in my head my whole career and I just wanted to prove him and everyone who said I was too big to do CrossFit wrong so my training schedule split is probably 40% gymnastics, 40% fitness, and 20% lifting. So I know even if I don't lift for six months, I'll be able to power clean 160 and power that's 120, no regardless of if I do any strength training. Whereas if I didn't do bar muscles for a couple of weeks, I'd see a massive drop off of my reps. So I literally just hammered gymnastics every day, sometimes twice a day for seven, eight years, the length of my career. And that eventually became my strength in CrossFit. So being 100 plus kilos and be able to do 36 and broken bar muscle-ups, 25 ring muscle-ups, I think that's a real good like, achievement and it kind of shows people that if you're determined and put your mind on something, you can achieve anything you want to achieve. And again, that's another factor that made me so popular because I always stood out in competitions. I look like the bodybuilder who's doing yeah, a random competition. Also, yeah. yeah. So you, I thought you turned to the wrong show. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> but there is some points where some people are that. you just you just can't do that as quick as them just because of your size. Yeah. And I've always been like, no, no matter what workout it is, I can beat people at that workout regardless of my size. And then CrossFit developed more and more, people got better each year. And then there was some workouts where I was just like, yeah, like, I just can't keep up. Like going to get someone who's five foot seven, weighs 15, 20 kilos lighter, it's just, I can't move. I physically can't move as quick, but I've done very well. Obviously I've achieved what I want to achieve in my career, being my size. Mm-hmm. Um, so it still shows people that you can achieve anything you want to achieve. And don't let people tell you, you can't do mm-hmm. something.
3: How how did the CrossFit sort of community respond to you coming into that world that being, I suppose. They a-
0: absolutely loved it. Yeah. Because I was such an anomaly, mm-hmm. like weighing a hundred kilo plus being six foot and just and when I train, i look even bigger because I just pump, yeah, up, pump and, up and loom really quick. And then they see you do, like I said, 30 plus bar muscle ups and beating smaller guys in gymnastic workouts. People are like, how, are you, how do you do that? And some people go the other way. Some people say, oh, you have to achieve. You have to have taken steroids. You, mm. All the work I put into them, they're all fake. The amount of mesh that I get from people saying, can you send me the full length of that video so I can check you've done it? And I'm like, why do I have to prove to you oh, like, yeah. that I've done the workout? And a lot of my friends at the gym, they get really annoyed because they see the hardware that goes into training twice a day for how many years I've done it. But I also see that as a compliment. Like, if people can't believe that you've done that workout because it's so impressive in their eyes, to me, that's just like a, a well-done, mate. You've worked so hard to be able to achieve that. So when I in my early career, I used to get really annoyed that people saying, oh, he's on steroids. That's mm. how he has to be able to do that. But when you develop and you're you get more confidence in yourself and then you get a reputation in CrossFit being a good athlete. All that stuff sort of doesn't really affect you anymore.
2: With what you were saying before, in terms of like proving people wrong and things like that, we spoke, it must've been a couple months ago, about your younger years and your childhood and that you were a little bit more of an overweight kid and things like that. Can you touch on that a little bit in terms of maybe like how you ended up in CrossFit and Is it a mix of you're proving people wrong in that sense? Like, look what
0: I've done. Yes, I used to be complete opposite to what I am now. So I used to be really overweight, really self-conscious how I looked. Um, And it all stems from, um, I've got a really good relationship with my family, really close. Uh, My mum had my sister, whatever age, and then she always wanted a huge family of like seven, eight, nine kids. So she wanted a really big family, um, but she ended up having seven miscarriages in a row, and then me. So when I came along, it was like, I couldn't do anything wrong. It was like perfect. Like she'd been trying for so hard to have another child, Um, which was good and bad because she's just let me, if I wanted three bags of sweets a day, she would let me have it. Do you know what I mean? And I'd always be perfect in her eyes. And even if I was overweight, she was like, no, he's perfectly fine. Yeah. And it got to the age of maybe 13, 14, where my dad could see, like, I was starting to skip swimming lessons because I was just hated the way I looked. Um, and I was eating, like, McDonald's and KFC three or four times a week. Um, I'd have a bag of sweets every day after school. I'd have several chocolate bars each day. And he was like, look, we've got to do something about, about Zach's weight because I can tell he's unhappy. His mood's starting to change a lot and we need to do something about it. How big were you at this point? Sorry, uh, I don't know exactly uh, weight-wise, but yeah, they used to call me no neck because they used to be like my my head <laughs> lended into my shoulders. <laughs> um, and like I said, I would never take my top off in in public or anything like that. Um, so if it does like right. We need to try and get him on a decent path here because if he keeps going on this direction, within five, six, seven, eight years, it's going to be really hard to to get in in the shape that he's going to be wanted to be in. Mum was like, no, he's perfect. Like, dude, why are you saying that? He's literally perfect. Blah, blah. And then, so my dad said, right, I really wanted a PlayStation 2 at the time. So he was like, right, sat me down was like, I'll get you a PlayStation 2 if you sort your diet out. Didn't mention losing weight or anything <clears> like that. He just said, if you just sort your diet out um, and you, you see some results after a couple months and you stick to it, we'll go get you a PlayStation 2 whatever game you want. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, yes. So, basically, instead of having four or five McDonald's, I'd have two. Instead of having a bag of sweets every day, I'd have a bag of sweets every other day. And within a couple of months, uh, we did some measurements, lost some weight, and I was like, All right, well done, like you achieved, you said we did what you were going to do, um, let's go buy a PlayStation 2. So, I never remember, it went to Toys R Us, like, best day of my oh, life. What a place! Like, mega shop. It seemed huge when I was a kid. Uh, got a PlayStation 2 and um, got the game I wanted, and then, yeah, I was like buzzing. And obviously, I didn't know about them, but I was goal setting, working towards a goal, achieving it, getting a reward for it. And then I didn't really know what to do after that. Um, I just kept that same eating regime for the next sort of year or so. And then my dad took me to an Anthony Robinson seminar. So that if you know Anthony Robinson. Yeah, he's like really- Tony. B- Tony yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tony Robbins, yeah, so really big about motivation and sort yeah. of wanting more from your life and health and fitness. How, how old were you then when you were going to- I was, I think it was 15. So, so young to be going to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But my dad is a very like, very well driven businessman. He's very focused and I remember going to that weekend just I was like, why am I spending my weekend in like the NEC not knowing what I'm doing? Like, I can't be bothered with this. I was trying to tell a 15 year old like for your weekend, yeah. you've got to go to this seminar. Uh, my sister, seven years old, she was looking forward to it. Mum was looking forward to it and it was a massive life changing weekend and the whole weekend's educating you on all different topics of life and health and fitness, but it ends with walking across hot coals. So the whole weekend, along with educating you, is prepping you for walking across these hot coals, like mentally. Wow. And it's just like a really good motivational, like really good feeling when when you walk over the coals. You have some people who back out and don't do it. And after that weekend, that was the first weekend where I wanted to get healthy and fit for myself and not needing my dad to say, I'll go buy a PlayStation 2 if you want to get fit or, I didn't need any external reward to get fit. I wanted to do it for myself. Um, So we basically, as a family, decided to get super healthy, stopped eating junk food, um, and I went probably the opposite way and just ate ridiculously healthy for, it must have been five, six years after that. Um, I really started to get into sport. So I played for Tigers Academy. That was like my, I thought I was going to be a professional rugby player before I got injured. Played for Leicestershire in tennis, table tennis, squash, like, all different sports, and between the age of sort of 15 and 18, 19, I was known as like the sporty, healthy kid. So I really sort of changed my life around over those like 15, um, between 13 and 15 years of my life. And after that, I never looked back, and I became like this health and fitness sort of freak, as my friends would call me. So you change your identity pretty much in those, years? yeah, hugely. Like, and it was in a really short space of time from being 13, 14, 15, being known as the overweight kid, has always got a fan to in his hand to then being the kid who's the best at every sport and the one who's really looks after himself starting to go gym like looks in good shape um and it's all down to my dad really of making that initial step to not be afraid to hurt my feelings to get me in a position that I wanted to be in
3: it sounds like he did it in a really good way as well because from a psychology perspective he's used positive reinforcement to try and engage in drive behaviors that he wants to see without using punishment because punishment especially for kids never works it's doesn't work in the criminal justice system which is why we have such a big reoffending rate so it's good to see that that was in place and then obviously one of the things that you had was you were surrounded by other people who wanted to also do better which is a big contributing factor to people's success
0: yeah i think if my dad would have said you're extremely overweight you need to lose weight i'd have been like no and been a bit really defensive and trying to fight him a little bit but because obviously he thought about it and he knew i wanted a playstation 2 and he tried to word it in a way that he wasn't calling me overweight, but he was like, let's just try and change your diet a little bit because he knew that would be a factor in helping me lose weight.
3: So w- one of the things we spoke about a few times is, and what you've got there is a the pleasure, which is pulling you forward and to motivate you to lose weight. Do you think there's still an element of pain that was driving you from being that, that point that you didn't want to be back there once you touched it? The reason why I ask is we this week just, just watched the movie uh, George Foreman. So he, he was always a big kid. You ever seen it?
2: Yeah, Great movie. it was such a... Yeah, really mm. recent. Oh, I loved it.
3: He was a big kid, but he was also bullied for being poor and stuff. And you could obviously see his career and becoming a champion was was driven by both pain and pleasure. Another movie, Blindside, uh, Michael Orr, he was always driven by that thing of being a, a bigger kid who was... Uh, sometimes pushed or picked on for for being that place and again, driven by an element of pain. Do you think that was ever an element for you in terms of the journey that you're on, whether that be consciously or subconsciously?
0: Yeah, definitely I think subconsciously because when I was that age, I don't really, I couldn't understand the feelings that I was having. So I didn't really know I was unhappy when I wasn't happy, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So me skipping swimming lessons because I was so unhappy with how I looked, I'll skip swimming lessons and just carry on with my life but not really understanding the deep sort of emotions I was feeling because I was so scared to take my top off. And um, when I first started to see some results, I was definitely in the mindset that I was really scared to go back to that overweight sort of position I was in. So I think that's why I went to the other extreme of basically cutting out every sort of junk food for, for years. And it would have been an unhealthy relationship with food because I could have still snapped on stuff and still enjoyed the old chocolate bar or McDonald's. but I literally didn't have anything for four or five years. And that, I think that's me subconsciously going the complete opposite way, so to try and put a barrier between me and that sort of overweight kid I was as a child. But I don't think you really understand those emotions until you get older and you look back and think, right, wow, that's why I probably did that or did this. And it wasn't until sort of my early 20s where I start to bring some, some of those bad foods back in and, and not sort of panic that I'm gonna get really mm. overweight again because I have one chocolate bar a week. Um, but I think it's all experiences and emotions that you learn over the years and as you grow up as a as an adult.
2: Yeah, no, it does completely. And it's, you, because I had the same thing with swimming. I was, I was like obsessed with being healthy. It was such a good feeling. But then there's obviously the fine line of pushing it. And you, you are aware of it, but not at the time, as you said, it's on reflection. So with you, you did rugby, tennis, things like that. CrossFit seems so not a part of like that, so where where did you even find CrossFit?
0: So I stopped playing competitive sports at rugby at the age of 18. Um, I've got really flat feet and that's always troubled me throughout my whole sporting career. And I'd play 10 rugby games and spray my ankle, eight games out of 10. And I was just getting to the point where I was just constantly injured, constantly trying to comp- like do a uh, game of rugby with so much strap around my ankle. And it's got to the point where I was like, this isn't gonna happen, I can't keep playing this sport. So, I stopped playing that at 18, then just did general fitness work and PT and general gym stuff for a couple of years. And my dad knew I'm extremely competitive and he could tell I wanted to do some sort of competitive sport. And he basically saw a YouTube video of the CrossFit Games in 2013. <coughs> and he said, Have you ever seen this sport? And I was like, No. He's like, Have a look at this video. And I watched it and it was absolutely mental. Like they were doing swimming, bar muscle ups, Olympic weightlifting, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. And I was like, I want to get to that. <laughs> I want to get to that point. Like, I want to get to the CrossFit Games within a year. And like- Sounds like George Foreman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be yeah, a World, yeah, World yeah, Champion yeah. within Can't a year. Yeah, down, Like naively thinking you can do it that quick. Mm. And I was like, they're doing toes to bar, and walks. Yeah, like I'm sport, I can do all that stuff. And then went to my first CrossFit lesson. I was like, oh my God, like this is insanely hard. Like Humble. maybe I'm not going <laughs> to get there in a year. Um, but I remember saying to myself, I have a goals board that I've had since I was probably 15. I write all my goals that I want to achieve for the whole year. And every year I go back, take them off and then set new goals. Um, I remember writing on that goals board, I'm going to qualify for the CrossFit Games. Um, and I didn't know it would take seven years to eventually achieve that goal. Um, but I just went to the CrossFit gym once or twice a week when I first saw that video, um, and then just started grinding every single day. and I didn't have a coach, like I said, so I was just trying to do all the stuff. I was literally watching YouTube videos in the gym and then going to trial by muscle-up and then just failing, obviously, because I had no idea what I was doing. And um, fast forward another year, a guy called Harmeet Singh, who's now my business partner, he moved, moved over from Dubai. He came into my gym and he saw us strip-pressing like 100 kilos, he saw us deadlifting some mad weight. And he was like, you're like, you're mega strong. And he could see I was wearing CrossFit um, shoes and shorts. He's like, do you do CrossFit? And I was like, oh, I've been, been trying, but I'm not really getting very far. Um, he's like, do you want me to help you achieve your goals? Like, what do you want to achieve? I was like, I want to get to the CrossFit Games. And he's like, right, let's do it together. Um, oh Christ,
2: why? No, how nice is that though?
0: <laughs> and uh, so we just started training together, doing some mad stuff. And as I, through the months, as I was getting better, I started to learn about programming and what I need to work on. And we basically trained together for several years, started to get further in my career, started to win lower level competitions. Um, So that started in 2014, and then opened CrossFit Gym in 2017. And that's where a big shift in my ability changed because I was able to train twice a day. I was only coaching maybe two hours a day instead of coaching six, seven, eight hours a day. And I sort of was transitioning from just being, training around work to then training being my main focus. And that was a massive shift in my ability and that's where I really sort of skyrocketed and, and qualified for the, for the regionals. Um, but yeah, if it wasn't for Harmy coming over and sort of seeing my potential, I probably wouldn't be where I am today. So it's nice that we've obviously stayed in just the whole time, we're in the gym together. Um, so yes, it's kind of like a nice story.
3: Yeah, it's fu- it's funny sometimes how being overly optimistic, uh, we've coined it before as being uh, delusional optimism, yeah. where you just, you. You rate your abilities so much that you think you can do a lot more, and often, sometimes it's a downfall. But for in certain circumstances like this one, it can be really positive because if someone had told you, Zach, it's going to take you seven years to get to the CrossFit Games, you would go, "Fuck that!" Yeah, I wouldn't. You wouldn't committed your time and energy to it, but to think that you could get there a lot quicker is. What has entered you into the sport and potentially kept you going? So yeah. it's 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 good sometimes to have that inner confidence in yourself to, yeah. to pursue that what you're doing.
0: I have that in every every aspect of life, business, and it doesn't always work out. Um, in in my early careers, I used to run a company called B Fitter. So this was when I was 18, um, and we specialised in doing um, class based memberships. So instead of going to a gym, you'd pay us a membership, and you'd have a class every night in different locations. And we did really well. We got up to like 150, 160 members at our peak. Um, And then because I'm so ambitious, I was like, right, I wanna open a commercial gym. So I opened a commercial gym in 2014. As I right after this, I'm gonna open five more gyms and it's gonna keep growing, growing, growing. And owning a commercial gym is like an absolute slog. Like it's it's proper graft. Mm. And that's when I just found CrossFit. And I was trying to train twice a day whilst doing 12 hour shifts at the gym because it's your baby, like you've got, to, you've got to work at your gym, you can't just always afford staff. And I started Befit Fitter at the age of 18, um, opened the gym when I was 24. So it was like, I was known in Leicester for being Mr. Befitter, Fitter. And basically that gym just failed after two, three years because we were, so, we were so busy, but our overheads were so high. I didn't really know about business, didn't really think about how much the business rates would be, how much it would cost for cleaners and employing eight different staff. Um, because I am so optimistic, I'm like, right, it's going to work, it's going to work, it's going to work, and to keep going and going and going, and then it got to the point in 2016, where I had to close the gym, and that was probably that was by far my lowest point in business to have worked for a brand for and build it up for six, seven, eight years, and then have to close it because it's not worked. That was like a really hard time for me, um, but it was also a great time because that's when I opened the CrossFit gym, so. Having that mentality of being so optimistic and thinking it's going to work all the time is good, but then it does have its drawbacks, which I found out with my first sort of yeah, business. I,
3: th- I think because if you if you go in that pace, the pace in which you're going, if it's geared or directed in the wrong way, you can just be getting further and further away from where you need to be, and then it collapses, and you have to sometimes rewind. But I'm sure there will have been a lot of. I'd never change it because yeah, would have I learned, I learned so
0: much and. I'm such a determined person trying to train four hours a day and like I said, do 10 hour shift, do PT on top. Like you can't maintain that pace for forever. But as soon as that gym closed, I knew what was wrong with the gym. I knew what was wrong with the business side of it. Two months later, we opened the CrossFit gym which has been really successful. So I'm also not a person that that's scared of failure. Like just cause that didn't work doesn't mean I'm not gonna open another gym because I'm scared of what happened. I learned from my mistakes and then rectified it and make sure that didn't happen again. Um, And then not working 10 hours a day, obviously is gonna make a huge impact on, on your performance and being able to train and just recover properly.
1: This
2: episode is how, do you know what? If you don't like listening to noise, mute. This episode is kindly sponsored by My Protein as we are sat in the brand new My Protein kitchen, and if you're in Manchester, you need to check it out. It's unbelievable.
3: Yeah, this is the new branded way that we have in front of us, the Impact Way. I am what is commonly referred to as a basic bitch, which basically just means <laughs> basic I like the bitch. fundamentals, like a vanilla whey protein because it can add yeah. it to pretty much anything: oats, yogurts. Lucy and it, it goes down very smoothly. One, of also a new favorite is,
2: but also I'm taking 20 of these to base camp with me because they are that delicious.
3: Um, not everyone's watching, so what you're talking about?
2: Sorry, the crispy laid toasted marshmallow bar, 16 grams of protein, really delicious, really tasty, really easy to have as a snack. And we have a discount code for you.
3: Well, lastly, I was going to say, sorry, if you have not tried the innovative product, which is clear way, yeah. you don't like milkshakes. You think they taste disgusting or they don't agree with your stomach, then clear away is literally like a juice in a shaker, which you can easily get over 20 grams of protein in with every single serving.
2: And they also have it in vegan, just for our vegan listeners. But we do have a discount code for my protein, and it is not so fit. So make sure you was that right, Cal, not so fit. That's the one. Make sure you shop the discount. The discount will be up to 40% across my protein. It is always amazing. So head there and back to the episode. Do you feel, this is a slightly different question, but I think it's quite an interesting one. You've obviously reached really great levels of success. I know people define it in different ways and things like that. And you've had a really big journey. Do you feel along that you've, I don't know how to word this, you've kind of lost certain people who you were close to at a certain point in life, or you've personally had to cut people out who don't understand why you're doing what you're doing or they don't appreciate it or they just don't get it. Because I know we have absolutely through the years because um, it's kind of like a sacrifice that you make yourself and it seems selfish, but it's not.
3: I think I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like, and we get asked a lot about on the on the, yeah. on the podcast in terms of having those people around you who make you want to get up and go versus people who take your energy from you. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult when you've had those relationships with people for maybe a long time. Yeah. I think we all have them. And it's just a case of how how do you manage those relationships of knowing when, okay, it's kind of this relationship is based on past experiences
0: only. I think you can never underestimate the importance of environment. So if you hang around people who never want to achieve anything, that will eventually become your, your mentality and you won't want to have the get up and go. So for me, again, I wouldn't have achieved what I have achieved if I didn't have the group of people I have around me. So... I remember, and I've had this thought so many times, where I have friends that I think, oh, I'm gonna be friends with you for the rest of my life. And I look back and think, oh my God, like, I don't, don't speak to them anymore. Not because I've had to say, don't talk to me, like, I'm moving on sort of thing. You just drift apart. And there's, there's points, like, three or four times in my, in my career where I thought, like, you're gonna be a solid, and then it ends up not being. And that's in business, like, the people I went into business with for my commercial gym, I was friends with them for seven, eight years. It was me, two of the guys, and my sister. Obviously, me and my sister will always be super close. And I remember opening the gym. We like we felt so proud, and like opening the gym with two of your best mates. And now I've not spoken to them for sort of eight, nine years. Um, and that's because things in business go sour, and they say never go into business with your friends. And that's probably for that reason. You know all about that. Yeah, we yeah. have we have experience. <laughs> yeah, so it's not just me, sort of. Going in a certain direction in my career and saying like, you're probably not where I want to be or you're not in the same environment that I'm in at the minute. It's also on the business side as well, that things just go south and you end up going separate ways. But there's so many times in my CrossFit career, where I've walked into the gym and I've not wanted to train. I think if anyone says to you, I'm hundred percent motivated every single day, every single week, I'd be like zero chance. Like they're just, they're just saying that to look good. There's times where I've texted my mate saying, like, I really don't feel like training today, I just can't be bothered and they're like, no, get in the gym, let's just warm up, see how you feel, and then crack on. And then there, some of those sessions have been some of the best sessions where I've lifted the most I've ever lifted in training. And then after that, I'm like, thanks for getting me in, guys. Like, if you went there, I just would have sacked it off. So that having that environment of everyone wanting to, in the cross environment, get a PB or get high gymnastic reps or complete this fitness workout better or win a faster 5K, having that every single day, all year round makes such a big difference. And I can't stress to people how important that is of having a good environment around you. Um, cause like I said, if I didn't have that around me, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have achieved what I've achieved. But yeah, there's definitely probably a handful of maybe five, or six people that I've had to cut out or we've gone separate ways because of jealousy, sort of mentality. Um, before I was training twice a day, people are like, why are you training twice a day before i achieved anything? They're like, why do you go gym four hours a day? I'm like, because I wanna, I wanna qualify for the CrossFit Games. And they're like, yeah, but you're nowhere near.
3: So one of the things you you touched on then and I think it's about authenticity. One of the things that you often see on social media is that that guy who is motivated every day, who goes to the gym every day, doesn't miss a workout. Every workout's 100%. He's laying it down. Then you also see the people who are in the body positivity space who are saying that they, they love their body every day, they enjoy it every day, but then they're eating loads of shit. And then a couple of are like, they crying into the camera telling people how bad the skin is or how whatever and or you see the person who's telling people how much money they've got and they've got the flash car Gen- genuinely if people are putting up posts like that the people who are with the money who are happy or who are performing well are the people who aren't telling you about it they don't need to tell you about it because they're just living the life of it rather yeah. than saying i am these things they don't need that reward from exactly a comment saying oh my god you're amazing you've got so much money exactly so for people who are following these kind of people on social media one probably unfollow them but two just realize that they're just looking for your validation they're not yeah. actually always 100 happy they haven't got all the money and they're not 100 happy with their body yeah. and then that's where the difficult thing is and that's why it's good to have that authenticity of you know what some days i tell the gym and i just do it because i know i'm going to feel better the next day that the tomorrow version of me is going to thank the version of me today for getting in and doing the thing. And the same with those other elements of, of fitness or money or finances or body or whatever it is. Sometimes it's just good to realise and have some perspective because we get this highlight reel of people on social media yeah, t- sh- showing us things. And yeah. it often makes you feel worse than what you're doing yeah, as well. Yeah,
0: social media is great but it obviously it has many downfalls as well. And I get a lot of messages saying like, I've been trying to do like some of your workouts for a couple of weeks and I just can't get anywhere near. I'm like, yeah, but I've done this for 10 years. Like you're just watching one video. You've just started following me and then you're expecting to be able to do that, not knowing how long or the the correct steps it takes to, to be able to achieve that. Um, people don't realise that I programmed them for you as well I know literally yeah, that's, that, that's, literally yeah. kept that secret for 10 yeah. years well we done done out.
3: that yeah. we had an exclusive it. on the podcast today ridiculous edit that out <laughs> 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 but one of the, with that as well like people only see that part of the, the tip of the iceberg for you they don't see those hours and days and months and years of work that have gone into it and you've been like named the fittest man on earth um, qualified UK. Sorry, on Earth, UK. I'm not my good. Qualified for games, won more competitions than people have had up dinners. How does it feel having that sense of achievement? How does it feel to get gold, to sit on top of the mountain? Does it feel as good as you expected it to feel?
0: So, um, yes and no. Like I'm very much, once I've achieved something, I want to achieve the next thing instantly. I don't sit back and say, oh, like well done, Zach. Like, you've achieved this. I'm always like, all right, I've got to the games, but what's next? Like I'm very quick to move on and set the next goal, which is a good and a bad thing. I don't think I spend enough time sort of just sitting down and think, well, wow, look, look back, what you've achieved. Mm-hmm. I remember when I won the Open, that was probably one of the most unsatisfied feelings because I worked so hard. I think it was a bit of blues from being in peak level Physique and like ability for five weeks, all the stress, and then when you finally, at the end of five weeks, you can see yourself at the top of leaderboard, you, the UK's fittest man. You have to wait three months or so to, to for everything to get valid, um, validated. So even though you're at the top, all it takes is someone who's watched a video to, to deduct five reps or five war balls, and then I could slip down a second. So. It's like you you can't really celebrate. Like I've worked so hard for this moment of of getting to the games and I've achieved it, but I've got to wait two or three months. So you never celebrate. I never celebrated. I remember literally going home and my missus was like, like well done, blah, blah. I'd not had any sweets, chocolate, any bad food for three months because I wanted to get down to 95 kilos. And I remember just sitting on my dinner table eating bags of Maltesers. Like, I've just achieved something <laughs> I've just wanted for so long. And like, I didn't really feel like mega happy about it because at the back of my mind, it could be so easy taken away by just, just deducting some some reps off a workout. Mm. So I literally just had some more teasers. I like, oh yeah, like, we've just got to wait now and see if I, if I actually get it. And then just got back to training the next day. And I remember to, God, I can't remember the exact day, but it was a couple months later, I remember being in bed getting an email um, Obviously, this is two months time saying, congratulations, you qualify for the Games, you're the UK's fittest man. And I remember turning to Sam, like, oh, look, like, it's legit. And then just kind of remember the day. Like, because that time had gone where I would love to have celebrated immediately after. And, like, gone for, like, a big party. And then all the people that helped me throughout the five weeks, like, taking them out and all that sort of stuff. But in the end, it was kind of like a weird sort of really weird feeling how you find out that you've achieved it. CrossFit. It's not like going to a competition, coming first, you've 100% come first, you're ecstatic about it, you've had that great feeling, you go out and celebrate. It was really sort of like mixed sort of emotions. Um, But I'm definitely a person that once I've achieved something, I'm straight away looking for the next thing I want to achieve.
2: Regarding the CrossFit Games, so you've...
1: So
2: just CrossFit Games in general. Okay, so saying that you never went, is there a desire? Do you still have that drive and desire to I, do it all really over again? I really strongly
0: for about two years and now it's, it's not really there anymore. So ah, okay. 2020 qualified for the Games. Um, then I was trained really hard. I was also 24th in the world. Wow. So say you have 300,000 people that enter in the Open worldwide. If you get top 30 worldwide, you qualify for the games. And then if you're a UK champ, you also qualify for the games. So CrossFit has changed its structure pretty much every year. It's quite hard to keep up with. But at that time I was 24th in the world and I was also UK champ. So if I was 24th in the world and came second behind Elliot, I still would have gone to the games through my open but oh, yeah. worldwide score. Um, so when COVID hit, um, CrossFit announced that they're not taking any national champs to the games. They're only taking the top 30. So I was like, oh, that's really sad for all the UK champs, but at least I'm still top 30. I'm still going to go. A Couple weeks later, they announce we're only going to take the top 20. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, that's four spots out. And I think two people couldn't make it because of COVID. So I was 22nd. Mm. So I was two spots out being able to get to the Games. And then a couple weeks later, they announced, right, we're going to do an online competition and we're only going to take five to the Games. So I'm like, right, I'm still in for a chance because I've just got to get top five in this online competition. But then they said, no, we're only going to take the top 20 to the online competition. And I was like, yeah, but if you do it online, surely you could you could get all the UK champs, you can yeah. get all the top 30 and everyone do it. But they only took the top 20 and then the top five ended to go into the games. And that's when Greg Glassman said the racist comment about um, George Floyd. I don't know if you know about <clears> that. <throat> so I was extremely vocal, obviously being the UK champ, being a black athlete in CrossFit.
3: So can you just explain what that was as well for people? I can't who remember the exact um, quote,
0: with. but he, he referenced something to, the, to that situation, which was it was just a very bad comment to make. And I came out straight away and said, this is not acceptable from the CEO of CrossFit to make such a, a comment on the situation. I'm going to boycott the Games, and um, if anyone else wants to boycott, they can boycott. Um, and basically, all and I was one of the first athletes to come out and say that. And then basically all the Games athletes came out and boycotted CrossFit, Greg Glassman ended up stepping down from CEO, and then we had a new CEO come into place. So it was a really weird year of qualifying, achieving the, my goal, getting it taken away because of COVID. Even if I was going, I was going to boycott because I didn't stand for what he said. There was like so many emotions going on. Um, and again, my mentality, I just kept going and going and going. And if I have any setbacks in my career, I always try to turn it into a positive. Mm. So I wasn't going to the Games, so I had so much of the year back that I wouldn't have had. So I was like, right, I'm gonna write a book because I've got so much time on my hands. So that's when I um, wrote my Start Where Other the Stop book um, and had some great reviews. And that's all about motivation, setting goals and, and how I got to the UK's Fittest Man. So I wouldn't have written that if I would have gone to the Games. So because of that setback, I wanted to end that year and look back and think I have achieved X, Y, and Z all because I didn't go to the Games. And that's what I managed to do. Um, and then the next year, obviously I was super motivated because I didn't get to the games. I felt in really good shape. I wanted to make a big point of, of getting to the games back to back years. And that's when I had to pull out because of my hip injury. Um, I had chronic hip bursitis in both hips, which I didn't know at the time. I just had really bad hip pain, didn't get it checked out. I couldn't front squat more than 40 kilos. So I pulled out of the game season and then within a couple of months, it got better again. And then 2022, I was again extremely motivated to get back to the games. The hip injury flared up about two months before the semi-finals, and I was like, "Look, I'm not. I cannot pull out of a game season ever again." Because a lot of people always say about me as well is that if they pull out because of injury, they say it's because I'm trying to dodge a drug test, which really annoys me. But. Yeah unless you know me you don't know how many injuries i've pushed through with being flat-footed and having bad knees and bad hips so i was like there's no way i'm pulling out of this this season like i know the semi-finals at strength and depths in london it would be like my dream way to qualify for the games i would not been able to train properly do any sort of leg stuff for about two three months my physio's like look is that you can't your hips are so bad at this stage you can't compete I was like, I am competing regardless of what you say, so just try and work with me as best you can. And he's not a big fan of cortisone injections because of the damage that it can do, because it's basically masking the pain. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever had cortisone injections. Yeah, yeah, so when you have cortisone, you're supposed to rest for six weeks after. I left it so late because I tried to fix my hips without having them. I think I was two weeks out of the competition, and I had both hips injected, left and right, and, I the next day and my pain was like times 10. Like the next day after quarter quarter's and you feel horrendous. I was like, what have you done to me? Like, I can't even walk up the stairs, what have you done? He's like, just calm down, give it two days, you'll be fine. Two days later, I was like, oh my God, like this is amazing. Like my hip pain is gone. And he was like, I just want you to know that if you compete now in two weeks time, that's a big risk of tearing tendons or all sorts. He's like, I just wanna go through all the risk of what could happen. And I was like, yeah, cool, that's fine. Don't hear it, like, I'm going to this competition, I'm qualifying for the games. And looking back, it was probably really silly what I was pushing my body through. Um, A lot of the people around me didn't really say much because they know how strong-headed I am, they know I'm not gonna listen, so they just kind of, yep, let him do his thing. Uh, Got to the competition, as soon as I did the first workout, my hips flared up instantly back. And I remember that was probably my worst competition I've ever done in my whole career because I was in so much pain um, and I was so close to still qualifying. I think I was... I ended up being um, 13th and the top five go through, but there's two, like, pinnacle points in that, in that competition. One, there was a legless rope climb. It was 10 rounds per time, one legless rope climb, like a 50-metre shuttle, 10 rounds as quick as you can. So it was a really quick workout, around three minutes. I knew I could win that workout. I went up, climbed, touched the top, slid down, went to run, and the judge called me no rep. So, so if you get no open that workout, you're done. Like, you can't keep up. I was like, okay, fine. Went back up, touched it, finished the 10 rounds. And then obviously I was absolutely fuming. All my uh, friends were filming it. They could see I touched the the top. And the guy said, I was like to the judge, I definitely touched the top. And he was like, oh, yes, I wasn't looking. And he just wasn't looking. So why, why did he give a no rep on He wasn't looking. Because he wasn't sure. And obviously all these judges, you can't get mad at them because they're volunteers. Yeah. Like they're not getting paid. They're not, and that's a big downfall of CrossFit. Like. That decision could have been a decision of me going to the games or not. Yeah, and it's not just, just, just a random person doing it. And then the judge next to me, he was a big fan of mine. So he was watching my heat, watching me do the workout, because he's a fan of me. And I was like, you should be watching <laughs> like, you should be watching yeah. your guy. He's like, bro, you definitely touched it. Like, I was watching every rep, you touched that bar. So we went through an appeal process. We, we, we lost it. Was it on video? It wasn't video yet, but for some reason they just, they said no. So... The video is from this angle, I touched this side, so you couldn't see if I touched it or not from this side. So I would think I would have come third in that workout and ended up coming 14th. So it's a huge like loss of points. Yeah. And then there was another complex um, where I was in so much pain. It was like four front squats, like three jerks. And just cause in so much pain, I couldn't lift my usual weight. Um, and I missed the jerk by about that much. So if I would have done that, I would have made my lift and I would have come second in that workout instead of 14th. So there was two points, like, if those wouldn't have happened, I would have qualified in fifth. So I would have made the games. So even though I was in so much pain and just trying to push through, there was, like, everything went against me in that competition. And, um, yeah, after that, I was like, you yeah, know, when you're mentally drained, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think I can go for it again, just because I've tried to push through so much. And now I've got to really take into account how bad my hips are. Mm-hmm. Um, and luckily, that's when gladiators came back not long after, and I could really change my path of the way I was going. but that's why I've really desire to to get there again.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: I feel mentally bad. <laughs> yeah,
2: no fair enough. And injuries it is really hard as well because you say when you're in that mindset I'm going to do it anyway sorry. and you kind of know. The table. Oh, sorry, am I making noise?
3: Yeah.
2: Um you know the consequences yeah. but you just don't care. Yeah. You li- it's you don't even you don't even think about it it's like I'm going to do it anyway and then I'll deal with the con- yeah. consequences later. Yeah. And, and I didn't just... even go
0: into the just thinking I'm injured I'm not trained properly for three months like I had no doubt in my mind that I wasn't going to qualify for the games like none of that came into my thought process I didn't go into the comp thinking oh I'm injured like I'm not going to do very well I was like fully switched on thinking I'm going to get to the games I'm I'm feeling good I was kidding myself that I was feeling good and then after each workout when things just weren't going right I was like every workout I finished thinking right Next one, turn it around. This is gonna—you're gonna change situations, turn it around. Mm-hmm. Something else will happen. I'm like, ugh. like everything was just like hitting me.
3: There's a, there's a quote I think I don't know if this. I don't think it's Sebum who made the quote. I just heard and say it a couple of times. His prefer pressure of the privilege, and it is. But then sometimes it can have a a negative effect on you when you know that you should be realistically taking a step back. When when you've got the pressure of competition and friends and family, you've got comments from people in the media, or whatever, saying that like it's because of this reason you're pulling out of this reason. Sometimes it it can push you a little bit in the wrong direction. And Again, you want to get that success. You want to put the the marker on the belt. Uh, I think a lot of people are in the delusion that, like we've spoken about before, that more success brings more happiness. But often, all it really does is every time we hit that milestone, we just move the goalpost a little bit further to the right. How do you think that you balance the desire for more success versus feeling like, i enough.
0: I don't think I have that very balanced at all because I always strive for more so whatever goal I've achieved I know instantly I'm going for something else so I think that's something I need to work on and and just sit back and enjoy what I've achieved because I never really do that so that's definitely something that I struggle to to find the balance on um, which I think is, is a good thing because it's if I didn't have that mentality I wouldn't have Been able to push through so much that I pushed through my whole career and achieve what I had, but then it also has its downfalls. Like something could have gone really wrong. If I'd have tore a tendon in my hip or something during that competition, then I would have been out for a very long time. So I think it's only now that I can really find the balance of once I've achieved something, just enjoy it. But then in my whole career in CrossFit, I've achieved my goals, but I've never lived them. If that makes sense. So I've been the UK's fitness man, qualified for the games, but I've never been to the games, and that's quite hard to, to sort of deal with as well. Yeah. So that's why I kind of every year I've gone back trying to get there just so I can get all the clothes that you get when you go to the games and get all the pictures and just actually experience being mm-hmm. there. Um, so that's quite hard pill to, to swallow that to, to achieve your goal but never lived it. it it's
3: it's always interesting thinking about that. I I always think it's it's a trait of top achievers anyway. I think you always find that they lack that contentness with yeah. what they've achieved, or what they've done. I mean, who no. knows? Like Tom Brady may not have had as many rings yeah. on, on his fingers. If he was content, Tiger Woods might not have won as many PGA Tours. Alex yeah, Ferguson yeah. might not have lifted as many Premier League trophies. So I think it's sometimes difficult trying to find that contentness when you're always looking at the ladder and what you could have done f- for you as well every, I suppose, decision that you've even made or has made for you is a sacrifice. And you've, whether that's like a negative or positive, you've probably gone down other roads that wouldn't have opened up like Gladiators, like other things yeah. if you'd gone to, gone yeah, to the I games think, as well. Yeah, I think
0: now, like, you don't realize what you're doing, like you said, what impact that can have later down, down the years. Whereas now I'm in a position where like, I'm really happy with what I'm doing with Gladiators and where I am and what my position in life and I can finally sit back and say, yeah, like everything I've done over the last 10 years is, is the reason I've been able to do this now. So it's all been made worth it. If I hadn't nothing like really going for me apart from trying to get to the games again, I just would have been relentless of just trying to get there constantly just to say I've been. But now I can sort of sit back and say, look, I've achieved what I've achieved. Yes, I got to the games, but I never got to go. But all of that training and all that hard work has lined up to being a gladiator. So I do feel content and I can look back and think, it's all been worth it.
2: Do you think becoming a dad as well has like a, like a profound effect on what you have and haven't decided to do? Like, has it had any effect oh, on? Oh, huge.
0: Yeah, like- I can
2: I imagine it was Everything
0: I do now decision-wise is for Ivy. Yeah. Like, what's the best decision for her? What's gonna put her in the best position? I don't think you can really understand that until you have, have a child. Um, but yeah being a dad's like the best thing ever I absolutely love it like she's just getting stage where she's sleeping through she's sleeping like twelve she's hours so a night She's so cute. yeah she's so <laughs> cute, but yeah, all the dads out there and mums out there will will really sort of resonate with you want to do everything for your for your kids, and some of the decisions I've made over the past year with doing gladiators and not doing the team for for the games that's all because of of Ivy and what's gonna be best for her, and some of those decisions aren't gonna. Some people aren't going to like them, some people are going to understand them. But for me, family is like my most important thing. So I'm never afraid of upsetting someone or upsetting people and making decisions that's best for my family. Um, And that's what I've done for Ivy. And yeah, it definitely puts you in a different headspace.
3: How, How micro does that drill down? And what I mean by that is, say, for example, now because you're a dad, do you ever find yourself in workouts like I've got to get these last couple of reps, these last couple of sets for, for my little while because so I've got to do my, it for this my reason? My
0: training mentality is very different like now than when it was and I was known especially in my gym like just being relentless like we could do a workout where I'm in pain for 20 minutes and then I'll extend the clock to 40 minutes just to see who I can break and to see how long it takes for me to break. Um, so. I was so relentless, uh, I would never go into workouts thinking I can't do it, I'd never quit workouts, I'd never like back down from workouts unless, unless I'm absolutely ruined. Whereas now I'm very much like, I don't need to put myself through that much pain. And it's, it's been quite a hard transition to training hard every single day. And I've been an athlete that's always trained too hard. So I've never really done easy sessions. Um, every day I've always wanted to end myself, basically. If I do like an easy zone two piece, I find it really hard to just do that because I want to mentally the red push line. myself. Yeah. Okay. I think what's the point in just doing zone two for now? Like I'm not mentally challenged. I'm not putting myself in a hole, which obviously not a smart way to train, but that's been my mentality for the, for the previous years. And now I found myself doing some work. I said, like, I don't need to, why am I going that hard? But I went for a like, couple of months of definitely like having Pretty much not much motivation like to train hard. And now I've got back into a really good routine. Obviously with Ivy's sleep, you're getting four hours sleep a day, three <laughs> hours sleep a day. That played a big part as well. Like, I didn't wanna go into the gym and have to push hard and feel annoyed because Ivy's only giving me three or four hours sleep. Like I'd, I'd rather be up with her and give her all the attention she needs and then just do a little bit of easy bit in the gym because I'm not worried about pushing myself in the gym anymore. But now she's sleeping through a bit more. I'm finding like I'm getting my my mentality back a bit and wanting to push hard and, but I guess that's understandable when you have a kid, you're not gonna be able to maintain elite level every day when you've gone from having nine hours of sleep to then sometimes, to, yeah, it's like, it's just not achievable. Um, but I feel like she's eight months old today. So I feel like we're getting back into routine. I'm starting to train a bit harder and I'm enjoying having the mental push again. Whereas trying to mentally push when you're just drained is, is really tough.
3: I'm sure a lot of our listeners will resonate with that as well, being being parents and yeah. not being able
0: to train as much as they'd like to and yeah. having to make sacrifices. And
2: you've got all that to look forward to. Yeah,
0: we are. But you do yeah. you just like you love making them. Yeah. Like it wasn't it is a sacrifice, but it's not because I'd rather be with Ivy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's um yeah, something you choose to do.
3: One of the other things that we've been speaking about in the last couple of episodes is about being a heavier runner. Yeah for you what kind of systems have you put in place for your success or workouts and stuff that have helped you being a a bigger heavier muscly guy but then still being able to build an engine what would be kind of if you to pick a couple of things especially for our listeners to go off that have really helped you because obviously you've you've really prioritized some of your weak points yeah what would be like a couple of keys that people can take away if they're a little bit bigger or a little bit more muscle and they go yeah. in saying I wanna I want to build that a rubber base.
0: The biggest thing would be t- is to know your own body and not compare yourself. So when starting in I'm gonna use gymnastics for example. When starting gymnastics, I could I could see other athletes, they were doing strength blocks and they were only doing gymnastics once or twice a week because they're only 70 odd kilos. They can do gymnastics once or twice a week and be really good at them. So if I took that approach and did their same training program that would never work for me. So I found a program that works for me and I just built it over the years. So doing gymnastic EMOMs twice a day pretty much every single day or well six days a week for 6-7 years. And say you start on a on an EMOM which stands for every minute on the minute. You might do one bar muscle up on the minute. On the second minute you do another bar muscle up and you accumulate the 10 reps over the 10 minutes. So I started with one and now you can do 10. So you just build it up over the time. But I found a system that works well for me and that system wouldn't work for someone else. So I think it's really important to understand your body and not to judge what you're doing compared to other athletes, because being a big athlete, you've got to approach things slightly different. You can't go in and do ridiculous amounts of high reps very early on in your career because you weigh 15, 20 kilos heavier than the smaller guys. So a lot of people look at me and look at the volume that I do and say I do, 150 chest bars and 60 muscle-ups in a day. Obviously, I didn't start doing that. If you go straight into that program, you're gonna get an injury. So you've gotta start where it's comfortable, not judge yourself on others and say, oh, he's doing this much, they're doing that much. Just focus on what you can do at that day and then build it up very slowly over time. And just keep it measurable. Like, that's what I did. I've got so many workouts on my phone, like, the list just endless because I always tracked it. And every month I'll look back and say, right, I did two reps on that email, I'm now I'm going to do three. And I think that's what's given me such success because I kept it accountable. I've known what I've done for so many months, so many years, and I just keep building and progressing on, on that program. Um, but I didn't go into the into training, looking at other people and thinking, oh, I want to do what they're doing right now. Like, yeah, I want to do what they're doing eventually, but it might take me five years it took them two years. But I'm not going to judge my performance off their performance because we're two different sets of athletes. So I think that's my biggest sort of takeaway. Don't judge yourself on what other people are doing around you.
2: I think that's really valuable as well because everyone does look different. So you actually cannot compare to other people. It literally doesn't do anything for you because they might be better at one thing, you might be better at another. They just, they look completely different. So you do different things. They're lighter, like, it genuinely, because I think we always get questions in the podcast, like, how do I not compare to other people? Because yeah. it's actually pointless. Yeah, yeah, I know it's easily done it's as hard. humans. It's hard, social
0: media is so hard it, as well. I get
2: it, it is. I, I mean, I still compare to other people. It's not yeah. a, you, you can't just flick a switch no. and it's hard, but it is very viable because viable it is yeah, pointless. Yeah. yeah,
0: I think you stop comparing when you're happy with where you are. I think it's very easy to compare yourself when you're trying to get to a destination. Once you've achieved what you want to achieve, you become a lot less, worried about what other people are doing, I think.
3: Yeah, I think especially when you're looking at that aerobic space or endurance space and performance, there's a, a lot of pressure on people for a long period of time to try and be smaller versions of themselves so yeah. they could operate better, whether it be in the running world or the, the CrossFit world. Like, And then you've got people such as Nick Bear who are big dudes running yeah. sub three hour marathons. You've got yourself, people like Ross Edgeley, Ashkane, who, who really are showing that you can, you can do both. Maybe you can't be the absolute pinnacle yeah. of that modality but you can definitely rock a heavier physique yeah, and and perform well. I think that's I think it's a nice thing to have as well. I mean, I know a lot of people care about it. they want to perform well in the gym, yeah, but then they want to go home and they want to take the clothes off and look good naked as well. Yeah. So it's it's kind of having those two things. You right, I'm going to put you on the spot. You can only choose three things that are in order to maintain muscle or move like a train. Three just three things. All right.
0: Ooh, okay, so move like,
2: move like a tree yeah, like like an engine, yeah. muscle in an engine.
0: I would say sleep recovery, sleep slash recovery.
3: Sleep number one, yeah. What 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 kind of healthy habits are you having around sleep? So
0: I was getting nine hours of sleep every day and then making sure I always have a nap. Like for me, naps are like just amazing. Naps, I, I yep. can feel tired and then I've got a second session doing three hours, have a half an hour nap and I feel like a new man. mm mm-hmm. So that's definitely contributed to my success. Obviously, nutrition. Like you can't be hammering gym sessions every day and eating rubbish and expect to look good and perform well. You, I mean,
3: nutrition, are you tra- you're tracking calories, macros or are you just going off how the
0: body feels? What do you feels? think of my personality? I'm no, guessing you don't you, track. I'm guessing you're going off feel. You it's
2: don't like, weigh anything. No, I just eat,
0: <laughs> eat well. I don't eat rubbish, yeah. but I'll just eat like good food.
2: A yeah.
3: L- lot of carbs, a lot of protein, a lot of fats. Uh, couldn't tell you. Just it's wholesome
2: just, yeah just yeah. good stuff wholesome nutritious food it's the same i mean we don't track i, mean, I, I don't i, do I don't remember last the last time i different... tracked yeah
0: i don't I, I don't and like up to competitions i just won't have any cheap meals so at the minute i have a cheap meal like saturday or sunday if i feel like it um but three months after the competition i just wouldn't have any cheap meals and just eat my regular food and i'd naturally drop probably four kilos doing that mm-hmm. over the yeah. three months but i am someone who can get in shape really quick but I also put on weight very very fast as well so um, I think it's just experience of being eating a certain way for, for so long. You know what your body Knowing needs. Your body, yeah. yeah. Um, you know when you've got a lack of carbs and things like that. So you, I could think I'm just very well tuned on what I need to eat. Number three? Number three, it doesn't relate directly to building muscle, but what I said earlier is environment. Like I wouldn't train nowhere near as hard if I didn't have a good group of people around me. Um, and that's definitely contributed to me having such a good engine. Like when you've got a solid 30 minute workout that, you know it's gonna be a pain from, like a workout I did on Monday, it was a 20 minute EMOM. So you do 10 warbles plus balls plus 10 burpees every minute for 20 minutes. So it's like mentally, you know, it's gonna be hard. Like We've got 10, 12 people in the gym that are all doing the same workout with different reps. Doing that on my, on my own, I wouldn't have finished. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the first minute and I got 11 seconds rest. And like knowing you've got 11 second rest when you're at your freshest, yeah. and you've still got 19 sets to go, and if you go over that minute, like you, the workouts stop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, without an environment, you're not finishing that. And that's definitely contributed to me having such a good engine. Yeah,
3: it's power of community, isn't it? I mean, we, Absolutely. We've, we've got a run club tonight in Manchester and there's 160 people coming. Yeah. Don't know where they're going to all fit. How, how, how many of those people would have gone for a 5K run exactly. had it not been for the community yeah. that they're going to be doing it with? That's and it's, what I mean, sorry. It is so powerful. And I've spoke about this before. I think there was a Harvard study that was released where it was based on people's success and, one of the, and the environment, community, the people you put yourself next to was uh, one of the biggest indicators with like 99%. It, like predictability of success, I think it was even in an office space. The person you just sitting next to someone who's a higher performer than you raise that person's performance by thirty six percent, and also the, the the crossover as well. So it's good
2: that you sit next to me every day, then, isn't it?
3: What, uh, you do benefit a lot. I'm not gonna lie. But you benefit well from done. me, well
2: high fucking performer. <laughs>
3: but zach thank you very much Those that'd be very helpful for a lot of people and thank you very much for your time today dude thanks for well, so
0: having it's been a pleasure
3: it's been awesome mate and uh, i'm sure in the very near future we're gonna have a couple more endeavors to, to tuck into as well 100 yes. percent tint. yeah. <laughs> uh, where can people find more of you dude
0: uh instagram uh zach george i have a little youtube channel that i post Spread bradley on which george as well but yeah they're the main two platforms and bbc uh, yes, Deal the Gladiator is the is the BBC um Instagram. So if you want to check me on there. But like I said, it comes out in January. So hopefully you see a lot more of my face on TV everywhere. Indeed.
2: Amazing. Yeah. So thank you so much. Everyone who's listening will take so much from it because we know our listeners and everything you said will be so viable to them. So really appreciate you. Appreciate everyone who's listening as always. Tag us when you listen to the podcast, Instagram, socials, things like that. Keep leaving reviews because you help us out and it's a great time because then we get great guests on and we will catch you in next week's episode.
3: Bye guys.